um, you're in the the mining world, so you're coming to us from Arizona, but the the mining you're everything's up in Canada. Is that correct? Yeah. So I'm a I was born and raised in Canada, and um, uh, operations of our 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 projects and um, you know legal counsel and and offices and and things like that are are based up in Canada. Sure. Uh, we're we're a Canadian company publicly, but also trade in the U.S. So um, I moved down here nine years ago. I have a I have two two boys, and one of them is special needs, and he's attending a special school down here called the Foundation for Blind Children. So nice. it really was okay. uh, the only one of its kind of kind for for him to attend to. And um, my wife was American, so it gave us the ability to move here. And then I since became an American about three years ago. And, um, no kidding. Yeah, it's been it's been a really good move for us. He's thriving, and uh, my other son he's he's 11 years old. He's attending PCDS, so he's. Oh, yeah. uh, I yeah. went there for eight years. Oh wow, <laughs> small <laughs> yeah. world. Yeah, I did a uh, kindergarten to eighth grade there. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, he's in the sixth grade, and he's been there. This is his second year. So okay, he was yeah, at, that's, he, that's hilarious. He was at huh. all All Saints before that. Sure, and then Christchurch. You probably remember Christchurch on Lincoln, um, just up the road from Forty Fourth there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. that is pretty funny. So PCDS, <laughs> huh? Yeah, yeah. Um, How did you get started in the whole mining world? So, if you're a Canadian and you get into the, you know, money managing side, or you know, become a stock a stockbroker, an investment advisor, um, really, you have two passions. One of them being hockey. And the second being uh, mining, because you know sure. Canada being you know the mining hub of the world, I would say it really is the place people go for speculate you know speculation and speculative investments in the mining space, and they're all incubated out of you know Vancouver and Toronto, and um, really I think it's just uh, when you start at such a young age and you you learn the the terms, you learn the way it's financed, you learn the way the the process actually works. In terms of bringing mines into production, um, you know, you you focus on that, and and you know, when I was a broker in my early 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 years, I financed several of these um, you know upstarting mining companies, and you know, you got to do a number of them because it's a numbers game. You know, it's uh, not all of them work, but you, you you try to find a formula for finding out which ones will work, and I think I kind of found something unique, and um, I got very very lucky and. Um, at a very young age, I, I did quite well and managed to not have to worry about others' people' money anymore. And I was more, you know, came into the thing where I had to worry about my own money. Sure. And when I, when I did that, I uh, I started going on my own and and really just trying to apply that model I had into the deals that I put forward into the market. And uh, that's yeah. I, I, I guess that's the funny thing about mining is we go to a lot of mines, and at face value, it looks like moving dirt and moving ore and processing ore, but it's really more about money and investments and everything like that than it than it is mining it is um you know it's a it's a funny game because when mining is not in favor you know when gold prices are down silver prices whatever it might be base metal prices the mining trade goes essentially no bid nobody's interested mm-hmm. nobody wants to speculate um however in the times like we see right now we see speculation coming into the into the market and it allows these young players like us to raise capital deploy it into the field and drill and you know hopefully magically hit something and it's 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 a shifting game because the majors used to do all this themselves 
you know, 20 years ago, mm. if, you know, large gold companies in the world would go and they'd have their own exploration programs and, and properties that they would go and drill and, and, and try to bring to production. But sure. they, don't, they don't do that anymore. It's not in their budget. What they do is they rely on companies that are, are small, that have done the work and basically prove it up, make it economic and just give it to them on a silver platter and then they just buy them. And that's their exploration model. And so that's really, I think, been the big shift in the last 20 years is that, you know, the majors love the juniors because the successful juniors become their property. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's really what we, we all strive to do is find a big discovery and, and get bought out by a major. And that, that's the business model. So a major is like a, like a Barrick, for example. Correct. Barrick, Agnico, um, Kinross, yeah. uh, you know, um, you know, we're, I'm focusing mainly now more into the base metal sides of things. So there's a number of kind of mid cap to, to, to large cap type companies that have, that is, that have evolved in this, in this recent boom that we're seeing in the base metal side. So there's a lot more players there and being in Canada and having our flagship properties in Canada, and this is where we're doing our work. This is where they explore. This is where the majors prefer to do business. It's, it's right in their backyard. A lot of these majors that we just mentioned, I mean, their head offices are all based in Canada. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my, my belief is why would I go to Peru or Argentina to try to find a, a, you know, a big discovery when I can look in Quebec or Ontario, right mm-hmm. in my backyard where we deal with Canadian dollars. We know the government, we know the structures, we know that it's, it's very pro mining. Um, the, you know, the, everything's in your favor. So and then the, the the quality of workers as well, and the infrastructure in place. It's 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 just perfect for what we do. Yeah, I, I I love this topic, so I'm super excited to talk to you about it. Can you can you explain what what drives uh, metals prices, base metals prices? Because I think it's fascinating. Like gold, for example, it's kind of made up. Gold is a weird one. I mean, that's uh, <laughs> I think it's the the most manipulated commodity out there. It's, yeah. uh, you know, let's just keep things simple right now. What drives mm. prices is supply and demand. I mean, it's just straight. If you have a bunch of supply on hand and lat, you know, not much demand, well, prices will fall. Mm-hmm. If we have a big demand and little supply, the prices are going to rise. Um, gold is a little different, as we just said, because it's political and it's a flight to quality for investments. It's a hedge against inflation, or at least we thought it was a hedge against in- inflation. And, and you know what? That's kind of surprising a lot of people right now because we all know inflation's here, and finally the Fed has admitted to it. Yeah. After they've been so obtuse and just ignoring the fact that we have an inflation problem, but they're now starting to to, to basically acknowledge it. Gold hasn't performed as we would have expected over the last six, seven, eight months. Gold has been. It's been lackluster. It's it's lost its it lost it lost its shine. Beg your pardon. Um, there's other factors in there as well. We have this new thing called Bitcoin that's taken into the market, which sure. plays a similar uh, facility to gold. But personally, I I'm I'm not a big Bitcoin fan. I don't see really what it's all about. I don't understand it. That's probably why I don't like it because I don't understand it. Yeah. But it is taking a lot of um, the so-called flight to quality or hedge away from you know the gold trade. Um, but you know, for metals in general, it's, it's supply and demand. That's, that's, that's the, that's as simple as you can make it. Well, the the interesting thing with, with gold is it's, it's, it's like you said, it's really an investment play. So copper, for example, I'm not buying copper 
as to, to go diversify my portfolio and hedge against inflation. Copper, it, traditionally speaking, I, I know people buy copper, speculation, this and that, but it's, you know, for electricity and everything like that. It's, it's a very valuable metal in society and in the industrial world. Gold, it has its applications, te- or technology, so on and so forth. But it's, it's really, for the most part, a financial play. And like you just said, you know, as inflation goes up, that means the value of currency is diminishing. So people like to take their dollars or Canadian dollars, or whatever it is, and mm-hmm. put it elsewhere. But that's interesting that the people that would be flocking to gold with inflation growing as it is right now are potentially flocking elsewhere and and Bitcoin and digital currency is competing with gold as a hedge against inflation as well. Correct. Huh. It's, you know, gold is, you know, we still have the first, you know, gold isn't consumed. Gold is, you know, when you produce a bar of gold, it's it's never going to go away. It's never used. Yeah. Um, yeah. When you look at copper, zinc, silver, silver maybe, you know, it's kind of similar to gold, but there is more, you know, there is usage of, of silver out there, but, um, you know, lead, whatever it might be, this is all consumed. So I think it's, it's two different ways to look at it. Now, when you look at the gold market, the thing the gold market does and the price of gold does is it actually is the temperature gauge for the investment sentiment or the, like for the, you know, the speculative investment gauge for all mining stocks in general. We're Mm. tied, we're tied to this gold price and it's, you know, like we've seen in the last six, seven, eight months, it's been frustrating because it's dictated the pricing of companies in the public market based on what that gold price is doing. Now you could be a big zinc producer, for instance, or a, you know, a, a, copper producer and sure we've seen massive increases in the prices of zinc and copper um however it may be subdued in terms of what value your company is because of a lagging gold price and that's just for Mm. kind of an investment thesis or investment philosophy on you know the mining market in general i mean it's it's everything is tied to the gold price um it's frustrating at times like we've seen but uh you know as of recently, in the last couple of days, we've seen a, a bit of a bounce here in the gold price. So hopefully, this is something that we've all been waiting for. And they're all so, they're all in cycles too, right? It's 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 cyclical as hell, right? Sure. Yeah. And and, and so with what, what you're doing right now, are you primarily after gold? No, we we have gold. Um, uh, we have found a bunch of gold. However, what we were blessed with, and the, you know, some I have the saying: I it's better to be lucky than smart. Yeah. We we found a uh, massive uh, VMS deposit, so it's a volcanogenic massive sulfides, and what that entails is that you have gold, but you also have silver, but you have very high grade zinc. You got mm. you got copper, so we have like the the holy grail, what we believe of something that you can find anytime you find a VMS deposit, especially in Canada, you get noticed immediately because of your really? your product. You know, you just have a multi product type play. And, um, and VMS deposits are, you know, in Canada alone, I think we've had 350 known VMS deposits, uh, in Canada historically. Um, and they account for 27% of all copper production, uh, 49% of zinc production and 40% of all silver production in Canada alone. So, I mean, that's a rarity to, so what, what I'm just getting at is, as you know, 350 of them, 
historically. Yeah. We found one. I mean, it's, it's a, it's pretty rare and it's, it's, it, it has us very, very excited. So how do you find one? Well, um, my theory is, is that the best place to find a deposit in the mining game is next to a deposit that has already been made. Um, okay. so it's, it's, you know, you, you know, when you go and you, you know, your geologists have all these theory, I mean, it's, it's, it's science, but you know, deposits, be it gold, be it copper, be it silver, they're not orphans. Whenever you have made one, there's always going to be brothers nearby. And that's just mm. because of geology, the way it forms volcanic coming through the crust disperses everything out into, you know, deposits across the, you know, the surface, you know, you, you, you basically want to find something which if there's a big, if there's been a big discovery made, for instance, in our case with star peak, we, um, we went next door to a big company called Amex exploration who made a massive, massive gold discovery over the last mm. couple of years. And so we strategically acquired all the land, which geologically made sense uh, all in the north to the south, all in the eastern side, because they were drilling in an easterly direction. And we took it a step further. We actually went and purchased a past producing mine, a mine that actually produced for several decades in the 1900s, uh, wow. which was actually they produced in excess of 10.1 million tons of high-grade copper, zinc, silver, and gold. So we, we own that. And now there's been a lot of techniques that have changed as well in mining these mines. So with modern techniques and things that we that weren't available, you know, in 1960, 1970 when they were producing from this mine, we can actually there's there's still a lot of a lot of stuff left and a lot of data that we can improve on to yeah. basically, you know, um, our mind, uh, you know, just just keep adding value. But you, you so you go in and you you buy this land, but it's there's a lot of speculation there. There's Absolutely. you can you can make an educated guess saying, hey, we know this is here. There might be someone, something around here, but you're, it's kind of a guessing game until you start poking holes in the ground. You're completely right. Now, we don't take on any land or projects which are completely grassroots. We have to see, um, you know, certain standards of criteria or sort of data that gives our geologists the comfort to, A, form a company around it, B, go and raise the money to allow us to go and explore that land and and you know so what that generally means is the land that we have is it's historically had some work done on it maybe there's been historic drilling in mm. the past that you know mm. a lot of times you you see companies have gone and done a big drill program somewhere say back in 2009 and suddenly drilling stops in 2010 might not be because they didn't find anything, but it might also be because maybe the metal prices collapsed. Maybe it was it just maybe they had a hard time getting more access to capital. Whatever it might sure. be, and one thing I'm most proud of in what we do is we have the best people, the best geologists, the best people that are advising guys like me who are the the money guys. They they basically will just give me the best situation for. Um, the chance of you know the chance of having a big success. So past production we have. Um, so not well past production on the mine we purchased. We had lots of drilling done historically. So we kind of hit the ground running. And mm -hmm. and uh, the all I'm trying to do when I put these things to market and when 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 we form companies like Star Peak 
is I want to give the investors, although it may be speculative when we start, I want to give them the best possible chance for this thing to be a success. Sure. And I and I believe with what we do and how we formed it, um, that's that's the way that um, you know that's why we're so lucky. Um, believe me, we we look at probably ten different plays a week, and just we go through it. We look at everything, and and we probably choose one a year, and that really? just happened to be Star Peak, and uh, and we and we hit it. We hit it big, and uh, and it's and it's it's something in in my mind. It's really early, but it's been de-risked. Um, we're successful on roughly 90% of all drill holes that we're currently doing. We're up to an 80,000 meter drill program right now, and it's just drilling, drilling, drilling. And it's, it's exciting as hell. I love it. So as you, as you drill it out and and you get the capital to to invest in the property, invest in the drilling, you start proving the, what's there, the ore body there, the reserves Mm -hmm. that are there. And then that helps you get more investment capital because the risk profile starts to decrease you nailed it. as you can start to prove what's actually there yeah and the quality of your investors as well become bigger so you know for instance sure. in our our case you know we funded it on our own and then you know you take it to the next level well it's at a dollar fifty well a couple institutions step in and we get some institutional financing well then we're now up to 250 a share those institutions and more pile in then you're up to then we did another financing at what do we do? Three sixty. Then we did another one at three eighty, and the the pedig- mm. the pedigree of the of the investor increases substantially, and that also just gives the <clears throat> gives the company and gives the you know the potential just gives it more credibility when you can actually yeah. a- associate these. I mean, these guys that are you know these these big institutions, they're smart. I mean, they they know how to read all the data that the geos have. They, I mean, these these guys understand the game, and um, and you know we. Um, yeah. So the more success you bring, the the better shareholders you have, and and then you 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 de-risk it. The more and more and more you drill it. And I mean, they're they're essentially experts on the subject themselves because they do these deals all day long. So they so they know exactly what they're looking at too. Yeah. I mean, everyone, you know, the the real sex appeal for say our situation is that okay, when you get into something and you keep and you and you find a discovery. Well, the only way to make that thing economic and a potential target for major is to build it up to something which is big enough for them to to want to buy it. Mm-hmm. So, and all that takes is drilling. And you know, like I said, we're up to about eighty thousand meter budgeted right now. I think we've completed about fifty thousand meters so far. You know, it's going to take a couple hundred thousand meters minimum to really get to that stage where you come up and you do a feasibility study, you run a resource calculation on the company. So. Although we are having big success now, I mean, the question is, how big is this thing going to be? And mm. you only know that. And so the funds as well, when these guys are looking and they're, they're looking at the same data, data as us, but that's the, you know, that's the, the secret question is, well, we know we have something. How big is it? And mm. nobody knows. You just have to keep drilling to be able, be able to, to drill it out. What gives us comfort is, you know, I had a past producing mine that we own. On one side, we're drilling about 400 meters away from that past producing mine currently. That's where we've, we found this big, de- big deposit and growing. And then I have Amex, the company I referenced earlier, who made that big gold discovery, literally 500 meters on the other side. So I'm sandwiched in between these, these two monsters. And back to my theory, the best place to find another mine is next to other you know, 
other big discoveries in other mines. And that's, that's really, it just sums it up right there. We're, we're, we're in, you know, we're, this is, this is prime time property. And, um, and, you know, thank God that we've, we've got the, the cash and the ability to, to now just go and drill it and prove this thing up to what we think is going to be quite, quite sizable. So the, the whole exploration process, it takes quite a bit of money and you can really only do exploration when metal prices are good because that's the only time when investors are willing to kick money in for that's, the most part. That's correct. I think that's part of the cycle as well because you yeah. know, look at base metals, for instance, when you have um, a very, very heavy supply of metals out there, well, the prices will mm-hmm. come down. And you know it comes to a point where if nobody's in there exploring for this stuff anymore because the prices are so subdued, well, then prices start to go up and then sure. money then flows into it. And then people start to speculate and put these, these, um, you know, these, these programs and, or these, these companies together. Um, and it's, and it's cyclical. And, you know, I think really right now, what we're seeing on the base metal side is a, I think we're in the second inning of a monstrous, monstrous boom. I think, um, you know, with this infrastructure build out plan in the United States um, and globally, for that matter, I mean, everybody is is clamoring for metals, and you know, China started long before us, and they've been stockpiling and hoarding it a little bit. But yep. you know, we're we're second inning on this boom, and I think we're going to see these, you know, copper, zinc, lead uh, prices just explode even greater than what we've what we've currently seen. Um, what was uh, this morning? Zinc was at three thousand four hundred nine dollars a ton. I mean, this is you should see the chart on it. It's just Boom! It looks great, and like I said, this—I still think we're second inning. Yeah, yeah. The, the interesting thing about metals prices too—it doesn't always track with the market necessarily, like the U.S. stock market or something like that. I remember it was like, was it like 20, 2014 maybe when metal price or copper or whatever it was just fell through the floor, and the market was doing great. Everything was was roaring. Yeah. But so you you have this this metals market that doesn't necessarily track with the global economy. It is tied, but it also isn't all that correlated. That's true. You know, it's 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 they, these have their own cycles, um, and a lot of this also is based off uh, the U.S. dollar, because all of these prices are are quoted and based in U.S. dollars. Mm. So if you have a very very strong dollar, it's it 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 hurts us a little bit. If the dollar is weaker, oh. then then we have a then we have a you know a higher price on these. <laughs> on these metals and these commodities. Sure. So, so you're, so you right now you're in the, the drilling phase and mm-hmm. all you're trying to do is prove how much is there. And you can only do that by putting holes in the ground, pulling the material out, testing it. Okay. We know this much, this much of zinc and gold and silver is in this hole. And then you go over there, poke another hole, you start connecting the dots. Exactly. And now you start to build a picture of what the hell's below you. Exactly. It's the, I call it the exciting stage because this is, you know, I wake up every day and I get drill reports from the, from the, from the drillers and, you know, and it's just, it's, it's like Christmas every morning, you know, you, you, yeah. you open up your email and you see, okay, what did we hit on this hole? Okay. Where, <laughs> and then I go, you know, I call it the geos and say, well, where's this on the map compared to everything? And we're, we're lining up the dots and, and building this resource and yeah. it's, it's exciting as hell. And you know, I'd like to reflect it into the market as well. I mean, the way you do so is by putting out regular press releases. And um, one of the problems has been, if there was to say one right now, is that because of everybody is, you know, this 
you know, these, these mining markets are, you know, there's a lot of people doing some exploration right now. The time lag you get at the labs when you're getting your assays is longer than what it usually would be or when, when times are quiet. So mm-hmm. you have, you have to wait for those, for those results. Um, you know, a general say two week turnaround is probably taking four weeks to five weeks. Mm. Now, when you pull a really nice hole out of the ground, you put them on a, what they call a rush and you, you pay extra, but you kind of jump to the front of the line on it. And, uh, and we've done, we've done a few of those recently. So it's, um, it's, this is the, really, it's the exciting stage of, of, of what we're, what we're all about. So the, the goal is to prove what's there and do you have to get it to, producing do you have to actually create the the operation to get it bought or will a major buy just a deposit so once you get it up to a certain level i mean this is this, this is where we we believe we i think we kind of get this game more than most people so first of all you have to be lucky and smart enough to find the d- discovery find the deposit then you got to mm-hmm. build it up to a size which makes it economic so you have to make sure it's the size is there infrastructure is all in place like where's the electricity where's you know where are you going to move this stuff is it in the middle of nowhere well hopefully not because you want to be in a place where there's you know local support around you you're going to have access to roads access to railway whatever it might be yeah, i mean these are all factors that that play into the economics of your your end game which is production now what scares me now i you know i do this for for my companies but i also i'm an investor in other projects as well just not running the companies but you know i i'm in for my own portfolio and if i hear someone like me saying to the public well we've made a massive discovery and now we're going to be the next big gold silver zinc producer we're going to go into production we're going to do it ourselves to be honest with you that scares the crap out of me because Mm. that's not what you're good at when you start talking about production when you start talking about um, you know, taking it to the next level and, and, and basically monetizing this asset through production. It's a whole new set of, it's a different game. It's a whole new set of rules. It's a different set of costs. It's a different set of everything. It's, this is for the big boys. So I've seen too many times companies that have made big discoveries, big deposits, and have tried to go into production, then they've just fallen flat on their face. Mm-hmm. And that's why I like to say, stick to what you're good at and that's for us it's proving this thing up getting it all polished off get it to a size get it all nice and and ready and on a silver platter and let the major take it on because that's their expertise that's what they're good at they have all that in place they have the guys the personnel the infrastructure they they know what to do sure so why take that risk you know i mean if your stock goes from eight cents to five bucks and you can get liquidated at five bucks i mean that's a pretty hefty return why do you have to take that risk and taking it from five to what? Go to, you know, 10? I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, it's just you've done your job, lay it off to a major, and then go do it again. I mean, that's that's really what I like. Yeah. And they're just they're at a scale and they have the resources where they can they can develop things way more effectively than you can. So it's it's yeah. funny because they don't want the risk of the whole exploration part of it. You don't necessarily want the risk of developing this thing into an actual operation, so you both just stick to wherever you're you're good at. You nailed it. And you nailed it yeah, right there. Yeah. The, the interesting thing, though, is you can find what could be a very uh, good deposit, but if it's not a certain size or in a favorable location, it can still be. It still might not be economical. To actually develop that is correct so you know we will never go and <clears throat> explore for anything which is 
way out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, it's just because it's just your costs are higher. And so you have to have that much, you know, it's just, it's, 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 you know, you're behind the eight ball right from the, right from the start. So why go there Mm -hmm. now? Majors also like we're in an area right now where these are majors that are already established. So it's the Abbott TV Greenstone belt, which is the, the, the area. And it's, it's a very prolific area for mining production in Canada. So the majors all have been established there. And a lot of times if a major has a mine close by and you have a project that is close close by their mine, then it makes sense for that major then to purchase it just because of their proximity to their mill or their, their processing plant or facility is, is right there. So it's, it's a feedstock yeah. for more ore to, sure. what, to what they've already built. Mm-hmm. And what I see happening where we are is is we have this past producing mine which we now own and by the way there's a town there infrastructure is all in place like this town was was made and formed because of that past producing mine the town is called normatal well uh, the past producing mine was called normatal and amex is right there as well so what i what we what we believe is is the play here is a very big company will go and take this entire area and make this thing a, a big district um, Amex is ahead of everybody because they've done more drilling and they started before everybody. And so what I'd like to see there is, um, they're getting to a size now where I believe it's, you know, definitely on the radar of, of majors and, and they're, they're almost at that stage. So once you see that happen, this whole area is, it's suddenly in play. Everyone's going to know about it. And, you know, we're the, we're the next, uh, next in line. So it's, that's mm-hmm. a, it's, it's, this is a, we 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 couldn't have put this like the timeline of it of just how it's been scripted and how it's been put together. It's just it's it's perfect for us. With um, a group next door like Amex, like you're talking about, are they really a competitor, or they're just doing what you guys are also doing, but they actually help you out? It's like you know how car dealerships are. Good question. That's because it's yeah. We're, I mean, we're all competitors, but we are different in this area because. Our exploration team, the people that are doing our drilling, they're called Laurentia um, Exploration or Laurentia Geophysics. Mm-hmm. We're very, really, really happy with them. These guys are rock stars. These guys know what they're doing. Anyhow, they're the ones that are actually doing all the work for Amex as well. So really, we have a cross-pollination of geologists that are looking at both plays. And that's important because as they've drilled about 300,000 meters, oh, wow. we've drilled up to close, I think 50 right now, 50,000. Well, we have the benefit of their knowledge on the type of rock and the situations that they're hitting. We can apply to our projects because mm. it's the same team. And I'll take it a step further. Um, the chairman and founder of Amex, Dr. Jacques Trottier, um, again, another rock star in this business. It's pretty hard to imagine there's actually rock stars in mining because it seems to be pretty boring. But, you know, there's... Oh, he has a, a very cool name. So <laughs> Jacques yeah. And uh, so he actually joined our team after I made my big initial deposit hole. But the big, I had a big, you know, the one that formed the company, you know, several, several meters of huge high-grade zinc and copper and, and gold and silver. He, um, he joined us on our... Uh, as our chief technical advisor. So, I mean, so no, they're not competitors. We actually are, are basically trying to, to form this area into a district. So, mm-hmm. you know, we've, the fact that we've made a big discovery 
has actually made them more attractive because now a major knows that they're not just buying that. There's actually other things in this area which can can increase the size of their investment. So that's really what it comes down to. Is this all is this all underground or open pit? This is underground. Um, there are aspects of the Amex discovery being in the gold. There is some shallower zones which I believe you could get into open pit. Um, yeah. However, in the Abitibi. Uh, this area, the Abitibi Greenstone Belt. Historically, this is underground mining. Um, the Normatal mine, the past producer that we we picked up, they mined that down. You know, in the 1900s, from I think it was 1930 to 1980, they mined that down to 2.2 kilometers under the Earth's surface. So, wow. I mean, and we've only gone down to about 900 meters. So, obviously, you can see the you know the that's a huge. We've only just scratched the surface. So. This is, um, and they, by the way, they were able to mine it down to 2.2 kilometers on, you know, yesterday's technology, yesterday's processes. And just, I mean, things have changed dramatically now from what you're able to do from what you could do in 1970. So it's, it's really, um, it's a, it'll be a, you know, a underground mine. And, and that's generally what the way you would mine things in this, in this area. Um, yeah. Is is permitting easier in Canada than it is in the United States for mine? Extremely, extremely. Um, you know, your U.S. style is it's you know you have the environmental big environmental problems. Um, yeah, it's you know you could have an unbelievable discovery. For instance, say in New Mexico, you know, there's been I've known some some deposits that have been made and and some discoveries and or in Nevada for that matter. Let's look at Nevada and look at see what's mm-hmm. happening in the um, kind of the lithium space right now. Yeah. Well, those will never be mines. I mean, you can, you can find a big discovery, but come on. I mean, these things, chances are they'll never become mines. So I think mm-hmm. that's where a lot of this, you got to do your homework as an investor because, you know, I mean, how's someone that buys stock in a company, <clears throat> say there's a big discovery made and they're, he reads about it. He reads about it, or makes a decision to go and purchase some of it. Well, a lot of I mean, the public's not going to know that. I mean, it's this is. I mean, and it and it's it's kind of a little bit, kind of bugs me a little bit as well as a company that, um, you know, they may jolly well know that they're having problems getting advancement in terms of things, and of course, sure. of course, they're not going to most probably disclose that at certain stages. And it's at least when you know when you come to Canada in this area. I mean. You got to be smart in terms of if you're going to get into this game, you have to be in an area where there's massive production all around you because that shows you that you're going to be able to do the same thing. Hmm. And, you know, we have our issues with the um, Aboriginal, uh, you know, uh, Native Canadian uh, that you have to respect and, and adhere to. And we've um, obviously uh, got good, good relationships there. And, um, and really after that, I mean, the government of Quebec, being the province of Quebec, government of Canada, is very pro-mining. I mean, that's their, most of their, this, this whole area, that's their employment. This is how people, sure. this is how they, uh, this is their jobs, is at their local mills. And, uh, and try getting a drill rig. That's the next thing. Drill rigs are hard to come by right now because everybody's drilling. And, uh, you know, we're, we're lucky that we have three that are currently in operation and that's a, that's pretty big. And, and, uh. But I think if you were to start a play right now looking for a drill rig, you'd have a hard time getting one. You might be waiting several months in order to secure one. That is, and I've, I've talked to people about the United States in particular. They're, there's these massive deposits, monster deposits that they know 
And and some of them are, there's this one just outside of Phoenix, like Resolution Copper. You're probably very well aware of it. Uh, how many billions of dollars have, have gone into that thing? They know it's just a monster. And yet, who knows if that's going to happen or not yeah. because of the government. So you've invested all this money. You know it's there. But the government could just say, ah, you know what? We're not really feeling it. You, you don't have your permit anymore. You have that risk. Um, I believe, is that, is that Rio's um, property? Yeah, yeah. BH, BHP, BHP, I think, too. So, I mean, they have the bandwidth, by the way, to, you know, if anyone's going to be able to get something done on in terms of getting that into production, it'll be guys like that. Correct. And again, that's another reason for letting the, the big guys do it because I mean that's mm. that's that's their you know they're they're they have I mean it's it's a government play after that. This is a pure political play. Um, you know, I was reading this this big discovery up in Alaska, this Preble deposit, which has been uh, it's called Northern Dynasty, that made a monster gold discovery. And I think under the Trump administration, they were allowed to advance it. And then mm-hmm. when the Biden administration came in, they 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 bagged it. So yeah. it's one of the biggest gold deposits I think we've ever seen ever. I mean, twenty million ounces wow. of high grade, and it's because it's near a fi- it's a fishery, uh, a fishing habitat up there. They um, they just said nope, and uh, you know, stock went to infinity, and and in about five days, it went from the penthouse to the outhouse in in very very quick order. So wow. we just got to be very careful. Does that ever? Uh, you've been playing this game for a while. Is it? Does the the risk ever get to you, or is it just? It is what it is. It's just the game you play. Um, you know, w- risk. The word risk is there because you know, where else could you finance something for pennies and be able to, you know, do some work and suddenly it's worth several dollars? So that yeah. without without that risk element, that whole move and price would never be possible. The only thing I try to do and what I believe I'm good at with my team is de-risking things from an early stage. So I, I made reference earlier, I want to make, I want to give the investor the best chance possible of having a success and by eliminating as much risk as possible. And, and I think with kind of our formula or matrix of what we have when we look at these properties and, and put them together and it, it generally, I mean, sure, I mean, it's, you're not going to hit on every drill hole. and there's a huge amount of luck involved with this. I mean, just because the the data and the you know the the probe that you sent down hole says that there's a metallic body down below at three four hundred meters and it's sitting there, and we doesn't mean that it's going to be copper or gold or whatever it might be. I mean, it's you don't mm-hmm. know until you actually start <clears throat> drill, drilling it from all different angles and wedging it and trying to expand it and then sending it to assay for sending it to the lab for assays. You don't know what it's going to be. Um, the only thing that you can go on is, well, you got to look around in that whole area. You got to look at everyone else's data. Uh, you got to collect it all. You got to put it into a, 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 what they call a 3d model. You got to basically, you know, it's, it's a data gathering game. And the more data you have, you know, the, the more you're increasing your, your chances of having a, having a success and minimizing risk on every drill hole is another data point. Correct. And even someone else's drilling next door or yeah. 20 kilometers down the road or whatever it might be that's really? that's valuable data and that's that's what these geos are good at and and it's and it's all computerized now everything all this data is plugged in i mean historic stuff everything's sure. and, and then you come up with these 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 i mean i'm I, I mean i'm fascinated by looking at these 3d graphical models of how these things look underground and 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 really i mean it's 
I think from what we're seeing now to what we saw, say, like in 1980, the chances of actually having more successful discoveries are so much more greater now, or so much greater now because of the fact is, it's just the, the technique and the, you know, the, the process of, of doing this is so much, that's far more advanced than, than what they ever did. And I, th- I think we'll see a lot more discoveries here as, as we roll out here in the next decade. In, in Canada, is it similar to the United States where if you buy the land, you have the minerals beneath it? Or do you give, does the government get some of uh, a producing mine? How does it work in Canada? Yeah, so you're, it's, you're right. I mean, we have the mineral rights. I mean, I can't just go up there and build a casino and you know, do that kind of stuff. And yeah. you know, it's not your land. So we, we go and we, um, you have a, like a royalty agreement, the government of Quebec, um, the province of Quebec is, is basically, uh, they're getting it on the tax side. Um, we, um, it's just a standard, uh, you know, East British Columbia would be the same thing. It's just the province of British Columbia. Mm. Um, so wherever you are in Canada, it's, it's, it's basically, uh, you know, the government, believe me, the government gets their, gets their fair share. And, yeah. um, but it's, 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 um, it's the property of, of ours or whatever company is, is exploring for it. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Cause the, I mean, the, the, the Canadian government is, is resources are a big deal in Canada. They're a big deal in a lot of countries. They're kind of a big deal in the United States, but we have this enormous financial market. We have these technology companies. There's, there's a lot there way beyond natural resources now. And we've almost forgotten that natural resources are still a thing. We're just like, nah, we don't want to dig holes anymore. No, 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 no. Don't knock that tree down. Oh God, wait, we can't do that. It's a tree. Are you kidding me? What are you, what are you, what are you thinking about here? We, we've forgotten natural resources have value in today's society, but I think Canada, it, like that's the big thing is Canada is very dependent on natural resources and, and your guys' economy. I say you guys, Canadians, their economies, there's a big piece of that that's dependent on you people pulling ore out of the ground yeah i mean we're big i mean canada i mean the great white north i mean from forestry to fishing to to mining uh and then of course oil and gas now i think the u.s is i mean i wouldn't say that they're they're forgetting about the the resource market or oil and gas gas, i mean but i think what were we were a net uh where we had a what was it under the trump administration was was the u.s became an exporter of oil for the first time Correct. Yeah, we can. And I energy think independent. energy independent. Yeah. I think now since Biden's come in, it's completely shifted in the other direction. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think there's been. Um, I know there's been some uranium assets which have have been furthered and 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 moved forward. And I think so. There's been some advancement in that space. Um, forestry. I mean, it's there's just so much more you can do in the U.S. because of your population. The problem with Canada is we have 38 million people up there. Everybody lives within what 100 miles of the U.S. borders. Everyone's sandwiched yeah. right up against it. But all that land up north, it's this is just loaded with with the good stuff. And the thing I like is that you can you can find a big discovery, and you know the government's not going to come and take it. Where if you go to a place like the Congo or you go to Venezuela yeah. and you make a big discovery, you spend a hundred million dollars sure. trying to find this stuff, and you finally you finally find it. Next, you know what the government's in there, and they're trying to nationalize you or take it over, and sure. you know suddenly yeah. you're well. There goes that uh, that dream. So, and that's really I think why we like to do this in Canada in our backyard, 
um, not to say I wouldn't do it in the U.S., but just this is how we know the we know the framework. We know of we know how the government works, and it, it's it's not a. It, I mean, this has been a Canadian ed- industry for centuries, so it's it. That's why we're that's why we're still doing it, and uh, you know, the U.S. for that matter still has it, but I think you do have a little bit more element of scrutiny with environmental concerns and and maybe um, you know the Aboriginal type. Type situations, the, the environmental because it's only go, it's only getting way worse, like dramatically worse in the United States. But that's a, that's a whole can of worms. I don't know what? if you want. Yeah, you don't want to get into the politics with me on this one. So yeah, <laughs> oh, good grief, we can do that over a beer. How long does this whole process take from start of say finding a discovery to production? Yes, um, it's a good question. Um, I think the incubation period really comes to build up a deposit if you drill it. For instance, at the rate we're drilling at, at, or the rate that Amex is drilling at. So, say you know you're you're going at it hard. You have, you know, a, a hundred thousand meter drill program. Let's leave it at that. Let's let's mm-hmm. just round it off. I think from about a hundred thousand meters, you should be able to then form a resource calculation. So you get your your size. Uh, let's so that so let's say that takes two years to to drill it, and then then you're going to take probably the next five six months doing. Um, a feasibility study. And what that feasibility is, you're taking all aspects of, you know, basically economics. Um, what does the rock look like? What's the recovery factor on your metal? What's your, just, you know, it makes, you know, you're, 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 you're seeing if, you know, what's the value? How much is my rock? And once I pull it out of the ground, how much is it going to be worth? Mm-hmm. Once you get to that stage, um, okay, let's pretend here that, you know, you're going to go into production yourself. No, you know, a major's not going to buy you. Okay, so let's just say that from there on in, you're going to say, okay, I want to take this in production. Well, then you go and apply for your mining permits, and those could take one to two years, year to year and a half. Yeah, uh, because they do look at environmental concerns. They look at you know, there's a lot of studies, whatever it might be. A lot of just it's red tape, and a lot of it's just sitting on desks of people in Ottawa, which is you know the capital of Canada, and. Um, so I think from start to finish, I think you're probably looking at no less than five years before you can actually probably start. Well, then you actually hold on. Then you got to build your 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 mine, your mine or your mill, your mill or mm-hmm. your your. So it's a good eight, nine, ten years, uh, probably start to finish for for someone that's doing it on their own. And the flip side is you go and do what we do, which is prove it up and then flip it to a major. Well, I think they could get it into production a lot quicker than that obviously because they yeah. they have everything in place already and then the capital costs i mean why would you go and have to spend 150 million building a a mill when you know a major might have three in the area or three in the province mm-hmm. all within say three four hundred miles of each other so it's it's all dependent but it's it's a heavy lift it's a heavy lift and and then this might add why we haven't seen a lot of deposits go into production recently. So here we are. Remember that supply demand thing we we're talking about. Well, I mean, there hasn't really been a lot more supply coming onto stream here for gold, for silver, for zinc, for copper. You know, in the last decade. I mean, it's sure. we're still waiting, and uh, and that's why the price are, because there, there's a there's lack of supply and. Hmm. And it's, you know, once you find a discovery, well, you just can't produce from it immediately. You, it, it takes that years and years and years and years before you can actually do something with it. 
Well, in the, in, in the years and years and years, the price can completely change completely. while you're building their whole thing out. Absolutely. Yeah. So you're, uh, but, but what's, what's your time horizon? I'm into drilling as much as possible to a point where I'm comfortable enough where I've got a, you know, a, you know, I'd love to get this thing up to, you know, a few million ounces of gold, huge ounces of zinc, huge ounces of copper. So, you know, for instance, you know, when we started drilling early, we had a big, you know, the zinc numbers are incredible, over 23% zinc in our drill core. And then as we're going deeper, we're hitting into extremely high grade copper. You know, if you're drilling six, seven meters of, you know, 2% copper, I mean, that's unheard, that's staggering. And mm-hmm. you just want to keep building it and building it. And I think once we've, uh, what, we've been at it now drilling for seven months, six months. Uh, we started about a year and a half ago from, from, from basically infancy, from, from start. And I think we'll probably keep, the, we'll just keep the drills going. Uh, there's no, no plan to stop these. Once I hit 80,000 meters, I'll probably increase it to 120,000 meters and just keep going. Very similar to what Amex did. We're, sure. cur- we're currently sitting at 300,000 meters. But I would say probably this time next year, if you and I were to have this uh, this this chat again, uh, we'd be at a point where we'd probably be polishing it up for um, looking at uh, a resource calculation and probably moving it forward. Now, VMS is different. VMS deposits, once you find one like we've made, you get instant uh, attention because they're so rare. Majors... Mm. I mean, we've already, I can't tell you who, but we've already been courted by two majors so far, even in our first 40,000 meters of drilling that we've been. And we're on the radar because these are hard to find. And it might be quicker because of the fact that it is a VMS deposits uh, or VMS deposit because of, you know, obviously the, the widespread, you know, it's not just a one commodity like a gold discovery. This is gold, zinc, copper. It's all the above. And you're walking a fine line as the guy in charge because you you want to prove there's a lot there to get the best price for this thing for your shareholders that have kicked in the money to prove this thing to begin with but then you're also looking at a commodity market that can change any time so you don't want to sit there and and like you, you I guess there's there's a point in which you probably have it written down on a post-it note somewhere of like okay if we get here we're just going to sell it because proving there's more than this, it like, does it just get, too I think you don't want to hold on. I don't think really it's, it's not a race. Um, you know, we're in this, yeah. we, we think we're, we're, we have a very long, I think second inning of this, this, this base metal super cycle, whatever you want gotcha. to call it. Now yeah. these majors know what you are, where you're at. I mean, when they see press releases, they, if they're following you, they know, they, they're, they know where you are. They know numbers that, I mean, these guys, they ain't stupid. And all of our data is public knowledge, by the way. We make sure that we, we, mm. we make this public to you know everything that we pull out of the ground. I don't want to keep it private. I want everyone to see it. Yeah. And all I can say is the more I drill, the more expensive I become. Because as I drill and drill and drill and prove this thing up to a bigger and bigger, bigger size, you become more valuable. And it might come to a point where a major is looking at you and they can see your model and they can see where you're drilling and you just keep hitting, you keep hitting. And they can say, you know what, let's get these guys now before they become too big. And mm-hmm. so that's them looking at buying things smart by doing their homework and seeing what, you know, they, 
they they realize. I mean, if we suddenly prove this up to, you know, eight million ounces, then they're going to be they're paying through the through the nose. Where if they can see that this is playing out the way they expected, they may they may take a swing at you sooner. Okay, so they want to get it cheaper, and then they'll continue drilling. Correct. Well, they know they have that asset, and they yeah. know they have it. It's theirs, and they can do whatever the hell they want with it. Exactly. Yeah. Gotcha. But if I keep drilling, well, they might still want it, but they're going to have to pay more for it. You know, sure. a lot of the a lot of these majors when they buy these buy these companies, a lot of them they'll sit on them for a while. They don't just immediately deploy capital and and, and build it up. It's it's um you know I don't know the how these majors run their numbers or how they prioritize their mills or, or, you know, their, their projects. It's, um, you know, they're very good at it, but, uh, you know, they may buy it because they have plans with something else in the area. I mean, who knows what these guys think about, but I, all I know is the more I drill, the more expensive I become. And that's the most important thing to realize. Is, is an ore body considered a, an asset? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that'll be like they'll buy that and they'll put it on their balance sheet. Correct. Like, yeah, we have this ore body. Correct. Yeah. They uh it's it's uh I guess at some point you can call it once you're up to a once you got feasibility done, you got all the boxes checked, it's it's not a resource, it's called a reserve. And that's uh, mm-hmm. there's different categories for how they would put that into their into their sheets. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is pretty neat stuff. What, what where do you spend most of your time? Talking to bigger mining companies, investors, the drillers? Is it everything yeah i think it's you know this whole covid thing made my life um you know selfishly it's it, it's it's been a good covid experience because we've seen a kind of a move into the you know, the mining market's got a little bit of attention and i think although it's been subdued for the last six months on the gold side it's it's definitely been there's been a um a resurgence in these i think starting these cycles again and i think it's it's so selfishly it's been pretty good generally i'd be on the road a lot i'd be up in canada toronto's our kind of center hub for for all this activity with um you know with financing and dealing with the institutions um i haven't been up to canada in about a year and a half two years i mean that for me is is just because of the you know the travel yeah. travel restrictions yeah so i um a lot of my t- is just sitting right here in my home office. Um, we do our calls, geos, and like I, I, every morning I wake up like Christmas and try to read the drill logs every morning, and and then we just start the day. I think we've been managing the market a little bit more. We we pay attention to our our share, our you know what what we trade at in the market. That's my background was 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 more on the kind of the number side. I'm not a geologist at all. I just know very good ones that make me look good. And, mm-hmm. uh, I think we've just, um, you know, we've changed our tune and that the way we do marketing, the way we talk to people, it's all done through this zoom thing. And, and to be quite honest with you, I absolutely love it. I, I, um, you know, being a, a young father, um, with, with two kids, I, I like to spend time around them. And if I was always on the road for two weeks of every month, it's, you know, it, it, it kind of sucked. Um, sure. but I didn't know what it looked like at that time being home all the time. So now that I do know what it looked like, it really sucked. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. You and, don't want to go back now. Yeah. So, um, but no, it's, it's, um, I think pro- productivity from certain, from a work aspect, from, our, from our standpoint, uh, we are, we work way more efficiently through these, this, this, these means. And I don't need big offices. I don't, I mean, that's the other thing. I mean, I, why do I need, need a big office? And have staff. 
I mean, we have lawyers, which can't, you know, don't like lawyers, but you need them. And you got your accountants. Um, we don't have an office front because I don't need to waste money on that. So mm-hmm. we run, we run a tight ship. I mean, the money we raise, we put it into the ground drilling. And that's, that's really what I think is, I mean, as, as, I mean, it's why waste money? I mean, I don't need to have flashy, you know, shirts and hats. And I mean, no, and we were, we're a mining company, but we put our money in the ground and, and I'm, I have a Scottish heritage and Scottish back, background. So maybe that's, that's coming out of me here with, with maybe how, sure. uh, how frugal I am. So <laughs> do you, do you, do you really have any, do you have much control over your share price? I mean, it's not like you're okay. Here's the quarterly earnings report. Like you're publishing your data. So in theory, you become more valuable over time. Does it fluctuate all that much? So, good question. Um, the frust- the frustrating po- thing about the market is is um, there's been a massive, massive problem for every participant in the market, every you know issuer like us, and that's this high frequency algorithm trading that goes on, and yeah. and it's uh, it just makes no sense. Um, I can see why the exchange likes it. It's because every time there's a flash in your screen and an order goes through for be it one share or a hundred shares or a hundred thousand shares, the, the, the exchange gets money. Mm-hmm. So this high frequency stuff, it's just, it's creating a lot of money for the, for the, for the markets. Um, you know, not for us, but for the, you know, for the Toronto stock exchange or the, or for the U S markets. And it's really doing, I mean, they say it's, it's more liquidity for the market. It's, it's all BS. It's, it's, it's actually creating a, a more volatile situation for moms and pops that are investing in the, in the, in, in these things, they're at a disadvantage because you're, you're, you're playing against a computerized algorithm trader that has way more tools than you do. And I think it's created a, a way more of a bigger fluctuations in the market. It's created um, volatility like we've never seen. Um, we only have 39 million shares of standing. I mean, we're blessed with this, that we've, we've managed to scratch this through with very, very low minimal dilution. I mean, 39 million out, I mean, management owns 35, 40%, institutions own another 40. So really I only have a float of maybe 15, 20%. So what's Mm -hmm. that even five, five million shares. I mean, it's, but still on that, we still see this volatility driven by these, these algorithms. And then you get into these hedge funds that have no these guys are criminals these these hedge funds come in and and they short they do these naked shorting shorting your stocks they they used to have what they call an uptick rule in canada when you wanted to short something it had to be on an uptick well now these these guys want to short your stock they just pound your market how does that Mm -hmm. make how does that make sense so i think i probably spent more time than i should looking at the 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 day-to-day trading but because of all these these problems that have been created you have to and and you know, myself being chairman CEO, my duty is to make sure what we're doing in the ground and drilling is reflected as best as possible in the market. And sure. And it's sometimes hard to tell someone that doesn't understand what we just discussed, like with all this, this these trading problems, how do you tell that to somebody who's 60 years old that owns 20,000 shares of your stock? And it's like, I, I, I you know, because then they look at me thinking, "Am I telling them the truth?" I'm like, "Well, no. This is actually what's going on." And I, I just, yeah. it's, it's. I spend a lot of time handholding, you know, people that really maybe don't understand it. So, yeah. it's. I wish they clean it up. Are they, are they are they going to? I have no idea. I try to do my part and participate in certain things against short sellers and and 
you know, I, I'm a very vocal person against uh, algorithm trading in Canada. Uh, the exchange knows me by name because I, you know, I'm, I like to, I like to, uh, you know, tell them how I feel about it. Maybe one day sure. they'll change it, but I don't know. We'll see. Well, I very much, I very much enjoyed all this. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks for, uh, it's nice to have a chat about this. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's not the most interesting stuff, but to be honest with you, when you're in the stage that we are with yeah. just kind of this drilling phase and how you can really make something more valuable very quickly, I hope people can really maybe share that excitement and, you know, maybe like it as much as we did. No, I, I think this is all fascinating. I mean, honestly, I'm a, a big shovels and trucks and <laughs> earth moving kind of guy, but it's, I love understanding how you even get to that in the first place because none of that happens without people like you going out there taking the you know taking the risk you do to go try to prove something is there bring it to market and then go put it into production it's 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 just amazing how much time and energy goes into even creating something like that no i think i thanks thank you for that it's uh i mean it's i mean i'm i say it a lot i mean we're it's a lot of this stuff, it's luck. I mean, you you basically try to just make it to a situation where you can be lucky more than than you're not. And I'll take luck over smarts any day of the week. But um, with a situation like what we found here at Star Peak, it's it definitely is. I think something that's it's going to be game changing. It's it's it really is. Uh, I'm we're blessed with it. I'm really excited about it. Awesome. Well, Jonathan, thank you. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm.